Welcome to another episode of Between the Notes. I'm Rich. And Keith. And good to have you back. We are going to be counting down our top five guitarists. Not uh, just any guitarist. Not just any guitarist. Heavy metal and hard rock guitarist. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and these are guys that, for us, these are personal picks, by the way. We want to make sure up front that we kind of make this clear that we're not talking about, like, we're not doing a Rolling Stones list, you know, right. a Rolling Stone list. We're this, this is not the top five most influential or top five, you know, this is the top five really most personal top, you know, guitarists to us, to each of us. The ones that made you go, what was that? Yeah. You know, the jaw droppers, the ones that uh, woke you up and brought out your inner guitar hero. That's right. I, I love and appreciate... Um, excellent musicianship and i've always wanted to be that guy out front you know wielding a guitar and playing the great riffs and yeah. so forth and so on but um i never developed into that uh can play some guitar and some of these guitar uh guitarists that are on our list i can actually play a little bit of their stuff not particularly well or anything like that right but um yeah that's been a that's been my thing uh, for a long time. I've always wanted to be a great guitar player, just never got to that next level. Yeah. Stay on the drums. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, it, you know, and unfortunately, I never got to any level. So, I mean, I just, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I have a, a really deep, great appreciation for these guys. Um, well, you don't have to be a musician to appreciate oh, them. Oh, for sure. You know, there's a lot of people out there that just aren't musically gifted, but they understand, as I do, uh, and appreciate uh, what it takes to be this good yeah. what goes into it and when you watch these guys live and watch what they can do and how they can do it uh, there's been some of them that i've seen live where i just stand there and just smile you know because I, it, it makes me happy oh, yeah. <laughs> and i'm in it all you know of, of how they can do this and oh, do it so sure. well well and that's kind of an interesting point you bring up too because it is one thing to hear these guys play it's another thing when you get to watch them do it yeah, absolutely um and you know the good thing is, at, at least with a large number of these guys, uh, there's video floating around out there on YouTube or on the internet that you can usually, you know, catch them doing something. Oh yeah. Um, but uh, there's know, even instructional videos yeah. of guys saying, "This is how you play this," you yeah. know, or whatever, and uh, go step by step through it because I've actually cheated and done some of that. You know, <laughs> how do you play that song? You know, and then I'm gonna check YouTube, and uh -huh. sure enough. Yeah, there'll, there'll be some sort of instructional video on yeah. how to play a particular song or a riff or whatever. And um, a lot of the times, I that's what gets it for me. I can sure. Suddenly, I can play this song. That's uh, You know, I, the, each of these guys that we're going to talk about for us has, um, you know, there, there's a, there's a, there's a deep-seated love. Uh, I know one of the things that I was telling you before we got started was each of these guys are sort of, from my perspective, the guys that introduced me into this music, um, they all came at different places in my life. Um, some, you know, back when I was a teenager, some not until I was well into my adult years. Um, and so they all have different meaning for me and how they have sort of cemented my love for hard rock and heavy metal. Um, and they all, you know, all these guys bring a little something different to the table as well. So, um, well, without further ado, let's just jump in. What Absolutely, do let's do it. All right. Well, uh, we're going to do, like I said, we're going to do, we got a top five. We're going to start at five. We're going to work our way to one. There is going to be some overlap, so when we get there, we'll we'll just kind of, you know, go with it and run with it. 
Uh, we're going to start with my number five. And my number five is Alex Lifeson. Rush. Of Rush. I love... Um, I was introduced to uh, Alex and his unbelievably odd signature times and chord structures. I mean, that's the thing I love about this guy. He's like, to me, he's like the king of that. Um, well, he I, had to play with Getty and Neil. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and he, there is a, a, and I love watching him play it and not just listening to it, but I actually love, and I've never seen these guys live. I'd love to see them live. Some, I mean, I've seen them, seen them live. I've seen them live, taped live. Right, on um, video, yeah. video tape. Right? Uh, but, uh, but I would love to see them live sometime. But um, I've gotten which, to do that twice. Which I'm not sure that that's going to be a thing to be able to do with, you know, Neil's situation. Yeah, I believe he's uh, pretty much done touring. Pretty much retired. But, um, but still, I was introduced to Rush in general, um, probably back, I would say, but I, I, was, I was a teenager, you know. Uh, so this is one of the early introductions to hard rock and heavy metal that i had um you know i i don't know if you'd call rush a heavy metal band but certainly a hard rock band um and um and alex is just one of those guys that um i mean you you kind of wind him up and let him go i mean he he has a an incredible uh mast mastery over over his instrument and he plays a lot of different stuff as well i know that's kind of one of his things where he you know he's not i mean in terms of stringed instruments that sort of thing but um but he i i, I remember very early on just being wowed by listening to you know how he contributed his part to what rush is doing and it kind of goes back to what we talked about in you know a episode or two ago uh, when we were talking about, well, in the Origins episode, I right. think, we were talking about Rush and and how each of these guys they they don't um, they don't sort of step on each other. They 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 collaborate, you know, in what they're doing. And even when they're playing their solos, even when they're sort of stepping out and and spotlighting what they can do in a particular song, um, they uh, they still they're still that that sort of very tight sort of harmonious collaboration. And, uh, and so I, anyway, I, I, uh, he is one of my all time favorites. He's a guy that, that, uh, you put a you put a rush album in and I could just, I can just listen to it from top to bottom. I mean, I, 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 I absolutely love the way he can take something so odd and make it seem like it's just so normal. Um, and so, um, what are your kind of thoughts? I mean, do you you know, I know he's not he's not on your list. No, he's not okay. my top five. Yeah, so so if I can say that, but uh, but uh, what do you you know kind of where where do you fall kind of in that category with him? Well, for Alex, for me, um, I think he's a very underrated guitar player. Yeah. I don't think he gets quite the due that he's. Uh, deserving of, yeah. and I think a lot of it's because he has to play with Neil and Getty. <laughs> yeah, I mean Neil Peart is one of the greatest drummers ever. Yeah, he really um, is. When you talk about the great lyricist too. Yeah, absolutely. And you talk start talking about uh, rock bass players. Getty Lee's in the top. You know, he's in the top five of that. You know, it's, so you've got that to contend with. But and I think sometimes he just gets a little overshadowed. I would agree. Um, but I think he's a fantastic guitar player. I mean, and, and we were talking about it earlier. I could. I could do a top 50 guitar yeah. players yeah. because there's so many that I admire. And Alex is definitely, you know, in that, uh, in that running, he's definitely one of them that I, I, I admire greatly and, uh, 
love his body of work. I yeah. think he's great. Absolutely. Well, we're going to play a little clip of Alex doing his thing. This is off the Permanent Waves album. This is Free Will. And I absolutely love, I mean, good gracious, you can almost pick, I mean, you know, take your pick of, of stuff. I thought about YYZ as well. I'm fond of Analog Kid. Uh, but Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and this uh, this song for me in particular and this solo was one of the earliest introductions to him and to what he can do um, with, uh, with, with his guitar. So we're going to play a little bit of this, and then we'll come back, and we'll keep right on uh, with, our, uh, with our countdown. So that was a little bit of Alex Lifeson doing what he does best. And uh, I know uh, just when we were kind of listening to it, you were talking a little bit about yeah. Alex's tone. Tone. That, nobody else sounds like Alex Lifeson. Mm-hmm. He has a tone about him. And and to be honest with you, it sounds even better live. Oh, yeah, for uh, sure. He's, he's a, just a, got a, a great tone. I love the sound that he, he has. And that's, that's one of the things I think that sets these guitar players that are on our list apart from a lot of others they have their own signature sounds so when you hear a song by them you know immediately who it is uh-huh. you know you, there's no question yeah you just know yeah yeah he um i know he played in the early rush days he was a he was a big gibson uh guitarist he, he used to play those big hollow body guitars yeah 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 and then he kind of moved into um I don't know. Sometime in the '80s, he moved into playing Stratocasters and yeah, or a Strat type. I can't remember yeah. who he was endorsed by at that time. Yeah, but, I forget who. It but was. he, yeah, he he changed uh, he changed guitars. He went to a different. Mm-hmm. But of course, the 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 Rush sound was also evolving. Oh yeah, it very much was. And it, there was a uh, he was really fine tuning that sound. I think as they uh, moved out of those early years and really moved into uh, kind of what they're. A lot of people kind of look at as their core years, right? So to right. Speak. But uh, but yeah, I mean, th- this is a guy. I mean, honestly, he. This is a guy who can play a bazooki. Okay, I mean, he's. <laughs> I mean, he's just. He's just really talented when it comes to stringed instruments, and and um, and he. I, I know, like you said, no matter what he kind of picks up and plays, I mean, he just has that distinctive sound to him. I mean, it's right. 
you you just I mean when you you know when Alex is playing and I and I absolutely love that. All right, well now for my number five, uh, let's talk about your number five. Absolutely, my number five. This is a guy that a lot of people are aren't going to uh, say that he was the most technical guitar player, not what you would call a virtuoso, but he influenced uh, countless young boys to pick up a guitar and want to be him sure. and play like him. And we're talking about the one and only Ace Freely. Ace. Now, a lot of people that know me are going to go, oh, that's because he's a big Kiss fan. Well, that there is some truth well, to that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There is some truth to that. But? Because this was the first guitar hero for me. Sure. He was the guy, the first guy that, that dropped my jaw. Yeah. And, and I remember this. I'll, I'll tell you a quick little story. I was at my buddy's house, and this was 1979, I guess, and it was one of the first times I'd gone over to his house and and hung out, and uh, I was really uh, still trying to find myself musically about what it was that I liked and who I was and what have you, and I was getting in, I was being flooded by all these new bands that I hadn't been exposed to, but I was really into the song My Sharona by The Knack. Oh, right, right. Loved that song, still do to this day, and the guitar solo in that song cooks it's got a it's a great guitar solo it's it's nothing incredibly flashy it just sounds good and i, and I liked yeah. the fluidity and the speed of it in certain spots and i was telling him about it i was like man I, we were playing the song on his record player and i said man listen to this guitar solo this is great he goes oh yeah that's good but you ain't heard nothing yet he said have you ever heard ace freely and i was like no show me <laughs> and Do he tell. he played me the uh song and with the solo that we're about to play and i'll reveal that in a moment Mm -hmm. so a little suspense for you um but uh ace to me uh as far as him being a guitar player or a great guitar player it it goes back to tone again Mm -hmm. and that's what i'm going to be talking about with all five of my top guys is a lot of it has to do with their tone Mm -hmm. how they sound they have a signature sound um i love ace's vibrato yeah uh in his guitar solos and uh a lot of his guitar solos were structured, uh, and some of them were just cut loose, you know, just let him go and go crazy. Yeah. Um, but uh, Ace also had a great deal of showmanship live, as, you know, we all know. It's Kiss, right. you know, for goodness sakes. Right. So um, uh, he was the first guy for me. I mean, Angus Young was also in that conversation, too, for ACDC, because right. ACDC was also one of the first rock, hard rock bands that I was exposed to. Right. And uh, Angus was the first heavy metal guitar player I ever saw live. Oh, wow. So yeah. he impressed me, too. Sure. But he didn't make my top five, as good as he is. But uh, Ace Ace left his mark on me. I mean, that was the guy. Uh, as much as Peter Chris was to me as a drummer, mm-hmm. Ace Frehley was to me as the inner, my inner guitar hero. Right. Uh, so Ace gets my number five, and I have a we have a clip, and what we're going to play here is from a live two. Okay. We're going to play a live clip. We're going to play you part of uh, Ace's song that he wrote called "Shock Me," and which is, has has solo in it. So we're going to let you have a little taste of that. All right.
So that was uh, that was Ace doing his thing live. Yes, sir. With uh, Shock Me. Yes. Man, oh man. I mean, that guy can make a guitar sing. Yeah, I'll, I'll, that, he was the guy that that did it for me first. You know, my like your first kiss. Your you know, actually, literally my first kiss. <laughs> you know, your first girlfriend or something. Right, you know, right. I didn't even mean to tie that in. That just kind of rolled out of my mouth. There it uh, was, right there in front of you. I know. You know, but don't boom, but uh. Yeah, I mean, he was uh, he was the guy that you know got me going, um, guitar wise, you know, um, and uh, that was really the when my buddy played that solo for me, uh, it was a jaw dropper. That was the moment. Yeah. I'm like, okay, yeah. there's, I didn't know you could do that with a guitar, you yeah. know, or make those sounds, and it was really just a, an epiphany, you know, a real eye opener for me. Sure, he um, now that. Of course, that's the live version. Does he do something similar on a studio version of that song? No, no big long solo like that. Okay. I mean, he does have a solo in the middle of the song. Gotcha. Uh, we didn't play that part of the solo on this clip, right. the live part. Right. Uh, and it's a it's a really cool solo in that song too. It's one of my favorites. But I thought, you know, for this particular uh, podcast, we would really show him shining, and he. That he, does, man. Ace Live is just no better thing than that. Well, and that was what I was going to say, you know, and, and I know you kind of mentioned it too a minute ago about the live versions of these. It's really in a lot of cases where you really see these guys shine, you know. Right. Um, you go and see them play live, and, you know, obviously they're going to play some semblance of the studio version, you know, the the, the thing they they made to, you know, get the record out there and get get the stuff out in front of, of fans and so forth but man going to see them live you you really get sort of the the depth of what they can do with something like that and that's a perfect example of of ace's talent man it's just unbelievable um well let's talk about number four this kind of goes into and and your number four is my number one actually yes mm-hmm. um but you've got a really good tie-in between ace and your number four number four is Mr. Eddie Van Halen. Van Halen, man. Um, and like I said, he's my number one. And uh, we'll talk about kind of a little bit each of what, you know, why we, we sort of did that. But why why is he number four? And then what's the tie-in? I want to hear the tie-in between these two well, guys. First of all, a lot of people out there that are listening to this uh, are going to be crying foul. <laughs> Eddie's only number four? How dare you? What's wrong with you? Um, well, first of all... Um, let's put let's get some perspective. Right, people. let's get Come some on. perspective. Um and it's just his personal preference. Uh, I, I love Eddie. I think Eddie's brilliant. Oh yeah. Um, he was obviously was an innovator. Uh, he was he turned the world of rock guitar on its ear. Mm-hmm. I mean, it and nobody else had really done that since Jimi Hendrix. No. Um, Eddie Van Halen was the next guy after Hendrix to 
really just slap everybody in the face and go, hey, watch this, you yeah. know. Um, and I'll tell you about that uh, first. Uh, I'll, I'll do the ace tie-in. Uh, but I have a story about my Eddie, my Eddie, my jaw dropping moment. But um, real quickly, uh, Gene Simmons uh, in 1977 mm-hmm. um, was trying to help uh, Van Halen get a record deal. Okay. Uh, he was he produced their demo. This gotcha. was back when Gene was just first starting to get into this realm of production. He. Uh, produced their demo and tried to uh, shop their demo to their record company. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, it didn't pan out. And Gene, you know, backed off and said, sorry, you know, good luck. And of course, they got signed later on by Warner Brothers. Um, But during that time, Kiss was recording the album Love Gun, which ironically is what shocked me as off of. Mm -hmm. And uh, he played... Van Halen a song called Christine 16 and Eddie in the studio uh, played a guitar solo over it just you know messing around and Gene loved it so much that when they came time to record the song in the studio for Love Gun he insisted that Ace play Eddie's part oh wow so the part that you hear now this is this is as I understand it legend has it you know I wasn't there so I don't know but uh, legend has it the story I've heard is that uh the part that you hear on Christine 16 is Ace playing, but it's Eddie's idea. Really? And another thing, real quickly, in 1982, when Ace Freely was on his way out of Kiss, mm-hmm. Eddie Van Halen approached Kiss about being their next guitar player. Oh, really? He was upset and unhappy with Van Halen. Wow. Did not like the direction that they were going in. He was bummed. He was like, what do you think about me playing guitar for you guys? Kiss turned him down. And it's really fortunate, I think, because uh, first of all, Kiss wanted was still wearing the makeup, and they were trying to retain that anonymity. Right. You know right. that uh, they didn't want everybody knowing who they were. Right. Um, of course, ironically, a year or so later, they took it off anyway. But, but of course, then Van Halen went on to record 1984. Yeah. And that was their big blowout hit. Yeah. Record. Yeah. And then, of course, Van Halen went on to. A massive, massive success. Incredible success. And uh, so everything worked out. But those, that's the uh, Eddie Van Halen, Ace Freely tie-in. That's cool. But um, my jaw-dropping moment for Eddie Van Halen was when I was uh, a kid here again, I was wanting to buy some Van Halen. I had started to get into them a little bit. And my cousin and I went shopping with his parents. And I, I think it was Kmart. Right. And I, I don't know if we were in a hurry or what, but... Uh, memory serves me correctly. I went in there. I wanted to buy Van Halen 2. Yeah. I picked up the wrong album. I wasn't familiar with the record, with the album covers, and I was I was in a hurry, so I picked up what I thought was Van Halen 2. Mm-hmm. I picked up Van Halen 1 oh, right. instead. Right. Bought it, took it home, flipped it over, and goes, well, this ain't the record I wanted. <laughs> that's not the one. I was looking for Dance the Night Away, and that's on Van Halen 2, I guess. You know, and I thought, right. all right, so... What's done is done. So we put the record on his turntable, got through the first song, which is running through the devil. Run with the devil. Then the next thing that happened, I mean, lit, we were literally mouths wide open after we heard this, was eruption. Yeah. This was the holy smokes, what was that moment? Yeah. I've never heard anything like this before. I mean, here I am, an Angus Young, Ace Freely, 
You know, these are guitar players that I've been listening to. I loved them. I thought they were great. Yep. Eddie Van Halen just knocked me out cold oh, yeah. with this yeah. and blew my mind. Of course, this is 1981. So here again, I'm a little late to the party. I mean, I'm just discovering what everybody else, you know, older than me or whatever has yeah. already heard and knew about. Yeah, yeah. So um, I was a little late to it, but uh, better late than never. <laughs> hey, well, and, and, and it's, it's, it's funny, you know, uh, well, like I said, Eddie is my number one on the list. And a big part of the reason Eddie is my number one is because of 1984. Um, and, and because that was my gateway into Eddie Van Halen. Like it was for a lot of people my age growing up during that particular time. And, um, well, 1984 for me was, uh, and I hate to say this, but for me it was their sellout album. Yeah. Because the keyboards became more prominent. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the whole Rush syndrome all over, over again. Right. I, I came into Van Halen um, around the women and children first, fair warning gotcha. era. Gotcha. And uh, they were still very much a, for me at the time, a metal band. A, yeah, very gritty, yeah, metal band. A, very so. raw, yeah. you know, uh, and I loved it. I loved the early Van Halen stuff. And 1984 has got great songs on it, and I do love the album. Right. But that was the first album where I thought, ah, I don't know. Even Diver Down was a little right, a little iffy for me. Mm-hmm. But there was enough on it to keep me interested, and sure. I liked it. The same for 1984. It's, it's still a great album. Uh, there's some great songs on it. Right. But Jump and, and I'll Wait, those two songs were just like, ah, man, where are they going with this? Right. You know? So, and that really, for me, um, my love and admiration for Eddie Van Halen has always been big. I still do love Eddie Van Halen. But that was the point where I start started thinking, uh, I don't know. My attention started turning elsewhere. Yeah. I would absolutely agree with that because, um, I, like I said, being introduced to them through 1984, you really don't get a sense of, in my opinion, what who Eddie is. Right. Until you go back and sort of retrofit your your um, uh, your understanding of of who Van Halen really really started off being right, and and 1984 was that album that um, I think that he in a lot of in a lot of ways uh, being a guitar hero took a backseat to yes uh, catchy hooks and songwriting yes and radio hits top forty radio right yeah. mm-hmm. that was when. Uh, that that's why I guess that's why I started my my interest started to wane mm-hmm. a little bit. Even though I still love Eddie Van Halen and appreciate everything that he's done, and he's still he's still the master. You know, I mean, he still got it. I oh, mean, yeah. I just saw him on their last tour with David Lee Roth, uh, and uh, the man still got it. Oh, he can still I smoke a, a guitar, man, and I'm he makes you. it look so easy. Oh, he does. And, you I'm, know, he's an incredible uh, innovator. You know, he's oh yeah, he's um, well the way he uses. Um, really harmonics in the in the way in which he 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 uh, he plays is it's just it's so i don't know for me it's it, isn't there a video of him playing and it's he's playing so fast it starts to smoke is that one of his is that one in one of their music videos <laughs> if uh, it may be uh, if it is i don't remember i just feel like it is maybe it was a parody that, that's that an Weird age, Al did that's, or something that's an age freely trick he, he, he <laughs> yeah. is the only one that makes a guitar smoke yeah, okay <laughs> uh and you got to go live to see that, so. right? Yeah, you see um, that live. But um, uh, yeah, he, I, I, I went back. What's your favorite Van Halen album? 
Fair warning, hands down. Fair warning, yeah. Yes, that's um, just a pure Van Halen album. I think for me, for me, it was them at their best. I just love that album. Uh, Women and Children First is great. Everything, yeah. everything from Van Halen one, one. through Fair Warning yeah. is really. It depends on the day, I suppose. I could pick my, I could pick a different album, you know, on, on a different day or something. It might be Van Halen one, right? right. Uh, but, See, Van Halen one is my favorite, and I think the reason why it's my favorite is because that was the first Van Halen album I really uh, got into after nineteen eighty four, right? Um, and so I, there's a, I think there's just this mixture of love of the craft and nostalgia. And so it just kind of has this sort of soft, special place in my heart. Um, and uh, and that was where I first heard Eruption. I mean, that, that for me was sort of that, you know, you kind of get blown away by, and you were mentioning too, and I didn't realize this because, again, I kind of came late to the party um, with these guys too. Um, but uh, I didn't realize that, that Eruption, which is this, you know, just this incredible instrumental you know, spotlight for Eddie's talent. Um, I didn't realize that it had kind of made the rounds on, on, on rock radio and stuff like that as well. That yet that it, um, it you know, was put out there and, and for obvious reasons, I would imagine. Funny story about that eruption as well. Um, mm-hmm. when they were in the studio, uh, recording this album, Eddie was just doing, uh, guitar exercises, warming up, oh, right. you know, for the recordings. And, uh, Ted Templeman let the tape roll. And he said, uh, we need to record that. Wow. We need to lay that down. Yeah. And Eddie was not, it wasn't something that he would, uh, you know, went into the studio going, I want to record a guitar solo. It was just uh, a whim. And the producer said, uh, let's lay that down and let's get a recording of that. That's amazing. And so it ended up on Van Halen 1 and thank goodness it did. Boy and howdy. Well, we're going to actually play a little bit uh, from Eruption um, and uh, just, just, kind of a, a segment, a little clip here to kind of whet your appetite. And this is, for me, this is one of my favorite sections of that. I mean, it's not a very long song. It's like a minute and 42 seconds or something like that. Right. It's not very long at all. But um, but it comes in about the about the, the 45, 47 second mark of the song. And it to me, it really highlights one of the reasons why uh, Eddie Van Halen is, I mean, he's one of, well, one of the reasons he made it my number one slot. So... Um, so let's play a little bit of that and we'll come back on the flip side and we'll talk some more. So, uh, so that was uh, eruption, and and that particular part of the song, which is about the last minute of the song, because again, it's not a very long song. Um, I was just telling Keith we were listening to it, and it just it leaves me breathless. It really does, because like you said, Eddie did something that no one had really done 
before. Breaking new ground. Yeah, I mean, it was just, it was truly innovative. Now, we have a bonus clip because we both picked them, and so uh, we want to play something else. And, And tell us a little bit about this one. This one's off of Van Halen 2. This one is actually a cover song. It's You're No Good uh, that Linda Ronstadt had sang, you know, a few years before. Um, and the first time I ever heard it, I thought, wow, that's that Linda Ronstadt song. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Uh, and uh, the, I just love the solo in this song. It's, um, I don't know, it just grabs me, I yeah. guess, or something. And, and that's one of many solos by Eddie Van Halen that affect me that way. But this one just sort of... Uh, came to mind, I guess, you know. Definitely. Sticks out. All right, so we're going to play a little bit of You're No Good, and we're going to come back and talk about it on the flip side. that was your no good and that was again that was a cover of a linda ronstadt song that's right uh that was really good i that was i that was one i'd never really heard before and uh i didn't even realize that they had deep cuts deep cuts man yeah deep cuts i love it um so uh so let's move into uh number three uh, on the list who did you have for number three my number three is one that most people on this podcast probably have never heard of before. And shame on you. I am telling you. This guy right here, um, he embodies just about every guitar player I've ever heard. Yeah. He just has, he's so versatile. He has, here again, I'm going to go with tone. And he has a lot of different tones because the music that they play calls for different moods and movements right. and what have you. Right. Uh, and I'm talking about John Petrucci of Dream Theater. Yeah, man. Uh, he is a wizard. He is a master. Um, and he's one of these guys that is, you know, gets a lot of press in the guitar magazines and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And uh, most people haven't heard of this guy because they don't know who Dream Theater is. Right. Because they never really had a radio hit. I mean, they had one with Pull Me Under in 1992, which ironically was the song that got me into this band. And uh, I immediately realized that these guys, not just John Petrucci, but the entire band are musical prodigies. Every one of them are just masters at their craft. Oh, they absolutely and are. And I'm quite sure there will be a Dream Theater podcast in the future. Oh, for sure. As as there will most of these bands that we were talking about that yeah. these guitar players are a part of. Yeah. Um, but this guy, um, every time I hear him, he just embodies everything. He has technique. He has feel. He has emotion. He has speed, uh, and he just like Alex Lifeson, he has to play in a lot of weird time signatures, mm-hmm. which is a challenge in and of itself. Uh, so he just 
has everything. He has everything that I personally look for in a guitarist. Mm-hmm. He possesses it. Yeah, I love everything about this guy. He, I mean, as that's why he's my number three. There's only two that I rank above this guy, right. and you're going to hear them soon enough, and I will explain why at that point. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, John Petrucci could just as easily be my number two. Yeah. And I was actually jockeying between my number two and number three uh, because he brings me so much joy um, in just about every uh, aspect you know, of music yeah. and guitar playing and uh, moves me on an emotional level. Yes, he's a very... Um he has a real a, a, a real talent for uh, and you introduced me to these guys. I didn't really I mean I I'd, I'd heard of Dream Theater and everything, but I wasn't really connected with them um, like you were and you really introduced me to them. And I know one of the ways in which you do you did that was you actually played me um, the DVD right. of uh, the uh, score um, uh, uh, Show, yeah. show, and Radio and, City Music Hall, yeah, and and that is phenomenal. By the way, get that on vinyl if you don't have it. It is a phenomenal. Yes, um, but John has this real ability to tap into the emotion of 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 a song through what he's playing, and like you said, I think it's because he is so incredibly versatile. He can jump from one thing to the next to the next. Well, really, all of them can. Yes, it's pr- it's pretty phenomenal to watch these guys play, to watch them. That's why I emphasize watch them play as much as listening to them play, because watching them um, and listening to them jump around the way that they do in 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 a very not a random fashion in a very structured fashion, but but to 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 tap into. Um, the the real emotional depth of a song, he really does that very very well, and he it's does. one of the things that really does move me about his playing. And I and I I absolutely love 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 um, you know, just listening to the guys. This guy just you know, this a master at his craft. This is one of those guitar players that if you watch him and you listen to him and you are an aspiring guitarist, mm-hmm. it makes you just want to put the instrument down. <laughs> because honestly, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's had that effect on me. Because every time I think, man, I'm, I'm, I can actually play this song or that song, or hey, man, I figured this out. Pat myself on the back. Right. Watch this guy, and you just, I'll never be that good. No, you know, right. I, I quit. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and I'm uh, so far away, it's yeah, like the Earth from the Sun. Man. I will never be that good. I will never achieve that level of of uh, musicianship, and it, it's, it's it's actually a little discouraging. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. mean, as much as he inspires me, as much as I love the guy, that's that's really the effect he has on me as as uh, you know any kind of guitar player. For, you know, as far as myself, you know, is concerned. Right. Uh, I'll never be that good, uh, but I cannot help every time I watch this guy on a DVD or something, and I have several Dream Theater DVDs, uh, every time I hear this guy, I just I just shake my head like, holy crap, man, this guy <laughs> is just, he's not human. No. How does he do this? He's just amazing. Yeah. He he moves me in just about every emotional, uh, he can, he can, uh, play with this fury that almost sounds angry. Mm-hmm. He can play with such a soft touch that will, and it can, it can you can run the gamut of emotions listening to this guy play. Right. And uh, like I said, he has so many different tones. 
he can sound like Alex Lifeson. He can sound like Brian May. Yeah. He can sound like Eddie Van Halen, Randy Rhodes, whoever. You know, he can just, the list goes on. Uh, and because he's about the same age that you and I are, mm-hmm. so he had a lot of the same influences that we have yeah. and listened to a lot of the same music uh, that we grew up listening to. So he just um, relates to me yeah. personally yeah. Uh, on a musical level. Uh, I get it. I understand it. I see where he's coming from and sure. where these influences are injected into his style of playing. Yeah. And I just absolutely love it. And uh, the clip I'm going to play uh, for you guys now um, is off of um, the Scenes from a Memory album. And this is a concept album. So a lot of the songs segue one into the other. But I'm going to play you a clip uh, of a song on here and show you this, the absolute speed and precision of this guy. This song is, uh, this solo is not so much um, an emotional ride as it is a, a kick in the gut. I mean, it just, it just takes off like a, a you know, a, a jet plane or something or a bullet from a gun nice. and just punches you right square in the face. Right. It's awesome. And we'll give you some of that. All right. So that was Fatal Tragedy. That was off the scenes from a memory. That's correct. Right? Yep. And, uh, man, that's... That's that's a wow factor. That's just... Well, frankly, I mean, I don't have much hair, but I'm windblown at this point. I mean, mean, and and, and I was telling you that, and and again, you introduced me to these guys not that long ago. uh, What, within the last year? Yeah. And this is by far one of those bands, um, and obviously John is a huge, huge part of that, um, that I, I've so immediately fallen in love. And it's been a long time since I've really had a band that I've been introduced to like that where I'm just like gaga over the stuff that they do. And just about any there's – a, there's a real distinctive sound to what they do, 
And you were talking about tone, the importance of tone and, and, and all of these guys that we're talking about. And so not only does John have a, a very distinctive tone himself within the, within the structure of what these guys do, but then you take the band at large and they have a very distinctive sound. And yet at the same time, it, I'm amazed at how well they can mimic, you know, uh, very precisely some of these other bands that are out there, you know, I mean, some right. of their heroes as mm -hmm. well. I mean, it's just, just phenomenal stuff. They've got, uh, they, they do a lot of cover songs too live. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've seen, uh, there's YouTube stuff out there where they do the entire Metallica master of puppets live. Really? Uh, I believe if my memory serves me correct, they've done the entire rush moving pictures live. Wow. So they pay homage to their heroes and they do it very, very well. Yeah. Uh, they do it. They stay true to the original songs. Uh, they give it a little bit of that dream theater uh, sound, but they don't compromise the integrity of the song or, or try to make it their own or any way. Right. They still stay with the song, uh, you know, by and large the way it was written originally. Mm -hmm. uh, but they add their own little sound to it and give it that dream theaterness. Sure. Uh, and uh, it's it's brilliant. Yeah. It just it sounds so good the way they do things. Yeah. And he's got a keyboardist by the name of Jordan Rudis yeah. that can keep up with him. Yeah, and that's amazing. Note for note. That's, and, and that's another one of those things about watching these guys play live. You watch them play live, and it's amazing. You know, you because, you, you know, it, falsely people can get it in their heads and think, oh, well, you know, these guys are somehow using studio trickery, you know, and that sort of, right. like you mentioned, Pro Tools and stuff like that. Uh-uh, not these guys. These guys are raw organic i mean they're the real deal and you really realize that when you see them play live well yeah what you hear in the studio they can pull it off live yeah you know there's no mistakes there's no sour notes there's none of that no. these guys are prodigies they're just musical prodigies and they can pull it off yeah john earns every bit of that number three slot for sure um and even though John didn't make mine, I told you earlier before we started, he made my honorable, honorable, mention. honorable mention list. I have an honorable mention list, and he, he, well, he made it and, for sure. And, you know, we got to tell our listeners, uh, we reserve the right to change our mind. That's exactly <laughs> right. At any time. We may change this up someday. I'm you know? telling you, I, I really think maybe what we should do is, in a year's time, come back to this. Revisit it. Revisit <laughs> it and see if it's changed or not. Because I have, especially for me, I have a feeling that – I will always admire the guys that are in my top five, but there's a really good likelihood, as, especially as you introduce me and as I get to know some of these guys better, that they'll take up some of those slots. So, um, <laughs> what do you got for your big number three? Well, actually, uh, let's go back and talk about uh, my number four for just a second because we actually missed my number four. Oh, yeah. Which is, um, we'll talk about him, which is Stevie Ray Vaughan. Now, I know Stevie Ray is a little bit odd to be on this list, um, there's two reasons he's on this list for me. Uh, one is because uh, he, again, was a sort of a gateway guitarist into falling in love with guitar heroes. Um, I was introduced to Stevie Ray back in college. Um, I, had <laughs> I had this roommate who was a huge Stevie Ray Vaughan fan. And about the only thing... Uh, from Stevie that I had um, really heard, I think, at that point, was probably a song that a lot of people heard him play at that point, which was uh, The House is a Rockin' right. Don't Come a Knock. The other right. reason that he's on this list for me is because 
uh, I know a lot of people, and he is. I mean, he is a Texas blues guitarist. There is no doubt about it. He is a hard rock blues guitarist. This guy comes out of the the uh, the tradition of Albert King and and you know Muddy Waters and BB King and guys like that who are not hard rock heavy metal guys by any stretch of the imagination. But for me, what SRV did was to take that tradition and add an edge to it that um, just made me appreciate. Uh, a guy who who has who's a real craftsman at, at what he can do, and 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 make it more than just sort of a traditional blues song or just a traditional uh, uh, rock song and that sort of thing. Maybe inject a little Jimi Hendrix into that too. For sure, and and I would say and 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 he of course his, and he's got a brother too, Jimmy Vaughn, who is a, a well known guitarist. He's played with, I mean, he's played with Stevie, you know, played with Stevie. Um, he's probably most famous for playing with the fabulous Thunderbirds. Um, and in fact, um, Jimmy's the older brother, you know, and Stevie will credit and, and you go back and listen to interviews and, and, and that sort of thing. Stevie will talk about the influence that his brother had over him. And his brother is, I mean, he's a kind of a, a more traditional, I would say a more traditional blues guitarist than Stevie did. Stevie sort of took it and went off into that hard rock arena uh, made it his own right uh jimmy does that to a point but if you you know i'm not a big fabulous thunderbirds fan but i appreciate the talent that jimmy vaughn's got um so the first uh album i was introduced to then uh stevie ray vaughn album was texas flood and there's a lot of really good stuff that comes off that album the probably the one that most people know is a song by the name of pride and joy right and um and and that's you know kind of one and again that's a song that most people when they think of Stevie Ray Vaughan, that's kind of a song that they they think about. Um, I've jammed that couple of that song a couple of times. Oh yeah, uh, live at some shows. Oh for sure, yeah. and I, I I love that song. Um, yeah. and uh, and again, that was kind of a gateway song for me into his stuff. Um, but again, part of the reason he's number four, part of the reason he's on my list is he's he really, especially when you look at the rest of my list, um, and even the other guys that we're talking about, he kind of seems like the odd man out, and he is certainly. But I think that the the again the reason he's there is uh, for me because I had a connection with him in terms of a guy who could infuse uh, hard rock into blues and not make it sound so traditional and and he and it hit me at the right time right so I'm I'm gonna play uh, a song this comes off of the fourth studio album and uh, in step and uh, it's a song by the name of tightrope when I obviously we're just going to play a clip of it and there's a really nice uh, guitar solo in this particular song that I really really like and I think really highlights uh, Stevie's uh, uh, talent in terms of how he really mixed uh, blues and hard rock together and and the interesting thing about this particular album was this he had just kind of came out of this sort of his first studio album after he'd gotten sober and uh, it in fact the name of the album in step was a sort of an homage to that and um, and this was the last album that he recorded with double trouble which was the the band that he um, had recorded with for several uh, several years of course 
and um, and I, I just think this this song "Tightrope" uh, is one off of this particular album that really highlights his uh, his guitar skills. So t- let's take a listen to this, and we'll come back and talk uh, on the flip side. So that was a little bit of SRV, and I, and I really like that. Uh, it, it's a real, to me, it's a real showcase for his talent, just raw talent of where he's not stopping and he's you know singing along with it. He's just playing the guitar, letting the guitar doing really, his thing, really doing the work kind yeah. of thing. And um, and blues is an acquired taste. I mean, it is. I'm a. I think I'm more probably of a. I would. I think I'm more of a blues fan probably than you are. Yes, you are. Um, <laughs> yes. So. Um, and nothing uh, against blues. No, 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 no. It, it it is an acquired taste. I mean, and I, I think again because I was introduced to him at sort of a an opportune time. Um, that uh, it's part of the reason that you know I, I connect with him. You right. Know, in in terms of. Uh, his talent, kind of what he can do. So, uh, so that's a little bit of Stevie Ray Vaughan. All right. So uh, uh, we talked about your number three, right? Right. I believe we're on to your number three now. We are now my number three. All right. So my number three is well, is a guy who pretty much everybody knows, uh, but again was somebody that I was introduced to. Uh, probably, I would say I was maybe middle school, maybe early high school. Um, and that was Jimmy Page, Led Zeppelin. Yeah, I, I, I mean, as far as Zeppelin even being on my radar, it it it, it wasn't. I, know, I didn't get into them really either until high school. Yeah, um, they just wasn't on my radar. Uh, mm-hmm. But of course, by the time I had gotten into music heavily, uh, Led Zeppelin folded when John Bonham died in 1980. Right, and that was which is about the time I was just starting mm-hmm. to find. You know what I liked in music, right. so they were no longer current. Right. You know, you had to go back in time and go back into the back catalog to get anything from Led Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it took me a little bit longer to appreciate, you know, what Led Zeppelin was and what they meant to rock music. And actually, I didn't really develop a bona fide love for them until I got to be an adult. Right. I mean, I understood who they were when sure. I was a teenager, and there was a lot of their songs that I liked, but I didn't fully appreciate the magic that this band created, right. largely in part to Jimmy Page, Yeah. Uh, until I got to be an adult. And um, I, I know that, uh, you know, A Stairway to Heaven is like this um, 
uh, taboo song in, in uh, guitar shops and, and music stores, you know, from the old Wayne's World uh, uh, reference there. Uh, no Stairway. Denied. Denied. You know? uh, but um, to be honest with you, for me, that solo and that song is spot on perfect. Yeah. It could not be played any better by anybody else. Every note, every bend, every articulation, every stroke of the pick is magnificently perfect. Yeah. It just don't get any better than that solo. No. And I absolutely love it. Oh, yeah. And it really, and I tell you what, as far as Jimmy Page is concerned, I think he's a master musician, uh, wrote some of the most iconic riffs and songs in rock and roll history. But Jimmy didn't have speed. No, he did not. He got sloppy when he tried to play fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it's, and a little bit of that in Ace Frehley, too. Ace Frehley could play fast, but the f- harder he tried and the faster he played, the sloppier he got. Yeah. So yeah. there's a fine line yeah. in knowing where your limitations are as a guitarist. Um, and I say that like I'm some sort of you know professional <laughs> guitar player. I'm not. This is just the opinion of Keith, so take it for what it's worth. But um, to me... Uh, you've got to know your limitations. As a drummer, mm-hmm. I'm the same way. I have to know. All right, if I if I'm not good at something, I know where to draw the line and go. Okay, I'm not going to do that because it'll sound like a train wreck. Right. So I'm just I know where I've I know where I've got to stop. You know right. where I've got to reel it in a little bit. And uh, I think Jimmy Page is a fantastic guitar player and definitely deserving to be on this list. He's not on my top five, but right. he's definitely in what you referred to earlier as the honorable mentions. Yeah. Um, I think Jimmy Page definitely belongs in the in the conversation, and mm-hmm. uh, I think that's a great pick. So uh, Yeah, Jimmy was uh, – and you mentioned Stairway. Uh, that was the song that I was introduced to them by. And I, I know that's true for a lot of people as well, but – I was specifically, I had a, uh, uh, the same cousin who introduced me to Rush, the same cousin who introduced right. me to Iron Maiden. That's a good cousin. You know, yeah, was, she's, <laughs> she's a good cousin. Um, and uh, she introduced me to, uh, to you know, to Zeppelin and, uh, you know, and played, you know, Stairway to Heaven. And it, it, it is, I mean, it's, it is. There's a reason why it's a song everybody knows. It's iconic. It, it, it's it, there's a reason it's iconic. It was a game changer. It really was. As far as songwriting and you know, especially at the time that it came out, mm-hmm. uh, it was just the right song at the right time. It was lightning in a bottle. Yeah, yeah, it really was, and it, it really does showcase, uh, highly showcase. Uh, well, honestly, the the talents of the entire band for that yes. matter. I love, love, love Robert Plant's voice. Oh, he does it. I, I mean, it's one of my all-time favorite vocalists. Oh, he absolutely is. He did a um, uh, he did a, a, a duet album with uh, Allison Krauss, right? Yeah, back a few years ago, and it is one of my and I'm a huge Allison Krauss fan on the other side of the spectrum of my musical taste, right? And the fu- the fusion of those two coming together, mm-hmm. I, I just I, I was I was like it was as if God had picked my brain and asked who are the two people you would like to see put together in this world and I I was like could you put Robert and Allison together that would be great you know yeah. kind of thing and it happened and yeah. they are unbelievable he's got uh, the his vocals on that on that album are just to me uh, I'm, well again I mean even with age uh, he has a st- still a strength to his vocals and it's just unbelievable I, I just absolutely love everything these guys do so i want to play a little bit of uh jimmy page for you and this one comes off of the uh mothership album 
Uh, this is a song by the name of Achilles' Last Stand, and it's this nice little piece in here that I think really highlights uh, Jimmy's um, uh, guitar playing and you know his skill. And uh, we'll take a listen to this, and we'll come back and talk a little more on the flip side. So that was Achilles' last stand. And again, that's a good, I think, example of kind of what you were talking about in terms of, you know, Jimmy not getting too fast, not getting ahead of himself, not not getting too terribly sloppy. But, um, but you know, I think just doing a good job of really highlighting his skill. Yeah, he's staying – his best stuff, I think, is when he stays within his limits. Mm-hmm. You know, his boundaries where he's – at his best. Yeah. Like I was mentioned earlier, Stairway to Heaven, the solo on that is just, it's, it just takes me to a different place. Mm-hmm. Every time I hear it, to me, that's my favorite part of the song. I can, I can just skip the first minute or two of the song and go straight into the music and the solo. Right. And that's where the song gets me. Right. You know, or I get the song or, or whatever. Sure. Uh, it's a, it's a very, and it's a special feeling that I really didn't, grasp until my later years and that happened with a lot of bands i didn't you know embrace pink floyd until i got to be an adult too right. you know as just to mention one yeah so uh as i've gotten older I've, I've learned to appreciate some of these other bands that i didn't really get into or appreciate when i was a teenager yeah absolutely well and and uh i, I know we were kind of talking while we were listening to the song some of our favorite zeppelin songs and you know some of the songs that are actually more of my favorites i wasn't introduced until much much later as i got to know uh zeppelin and got to really appreciate you know how they play their sound right and their you know their contribution to the whole you know rock scene um especially at the time in which they came into it and the influence they've had you know ever since then there's actually a great really great documentary on i think it's on netflix um and it's jimmy page uh, the Edge and uh, Jack White. Yeah, I've and, seen clips and, of that. Yeah, I've, and and I actually watched like the first 
30 minutes of it or so. And it's not, I wouldn't call it a riveting documentary or, you know, it's not great, but it's interesting, I guess, if, if that's the right. best way I can word that. I'm not a huge Jack White fan. I mean, I am to a point, but, and I, pr- I sort of appreciate his talent, but he's not somebody that I just, oh, yeah, doesn't to him. appeal to you. Yeah. And same thing with The Edge. I mean, I, I like you too. Right. And, but he's not one of those guys that I go, oh, man, I just, you know, fall over myself. But it was very interesting to hear these three guys who have three very different approaches to music um, and to how they play their instrument and, uh, and how they use it to, uh, create this very unique sound uh for you know for who they play or you know for the for the the stuff that they do so um all right i have a led zeppelin dvd at home that's uh oh it's hours and hours and hours worth of uh, live footage and backstage stuff and uh that jimmy page uh, completely remastered uh mm-hmm. you know read went to the films and restored the film and everything All right. uh, that's pretty interesting too that's cool that's pretty good stuff uh it i can't sit and watch it in one sitting because it just i can't just stay awake long enough. Right. <laughs> but i mean i love it, it it's really good stuff oh, and yeah. it really uh stuff that i had never seen before so that's another another thing to check out sometimes definitely well and, and and one last thing about zeppelin and then we'll we'll, we'll move on to the next one uh, which is we were also talking about Robert Plant and talking about just how much we both just absolutely adore this guy for you know the the his vocals. I mean, he definitely is one of the top vocalists uh, in my camp. Well, Led Zeppelin is it's not just one member; it's all four of them. Right. Every one of them are were just uh, uh, the best at their time. I think. I mean, you know, you got Jimmy Page, which is obviously. Uh, one of the biggest, uh, Robert Plant, as we spoke of, one of the greatest vocalists of all time. My favorite drummer of all time is John Bonham. John Bonham. I mean, I love Neil Peart and uh, Mike Portnoy. There's a lot of great drummers that I admire and love, but John Bonham was, for me, the original. Yeah. Uh, and I actually discovered him later on, you know, it, because it was Peter Chris and, and Neil right. Peart, you know, when I was younger and all that stuff. The first time I ever really, really listened to John Bonham mm-hmm. That it was an epiphany. It was a wake up call. Oh, right, yeah. And uh, that really made me come around. And I think the most overlooked member of the band is John Paul Jones. Yeah. He's a master musician. Yeah. He is. Incredible bass player and could play anything. Mm-hmm. He's just, and uh, he did a lot of uh, session work for other bands and musicians, uh, you know, before Led Zeppelin. Yeah. And so did Jimmy Page. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Page was in the Yardbirds. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, with with it, which, which also boasted the talents of Jeff Beck and Eric Clapton at one yeah. time. So, you know, there's a lot of tie-ins. Yeah, yeah. That they are, in many ways, they are the quintessential rock quartet. Man, I mean, I agree. They, they, they just absolutely nail it. They were, uh, you know, for me, the next. Uh, you had the Beatles and you had Led Zeppelin. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, let's um, let's move to I think number two on the list. No, we, yeah, my number two. Anyway, and what's your, yeah, what's your number two? My number two is a gentleman that I have seen live several times. Uh, with uh, he played with White Snake. Mm-hmm. He's played with David Lee Roth, yep. and he has done his own solo work now for quite some time. And I've actually met the guy. We're talking about one Steve Vai. Steve Vai. This guy right here. Um, I sort of latched onto him when whenever he started playing with David Lee Roth. Mm-hmm. David Lee Roth's music wasn't really metal at the time. Right. Uh, when he left Van Halen, he went off and did his own thing, 
And Steve Vai uh, was his guitarist. And in fact, every musician in David Lee Roth's band were master musicians. Greg Bessonette on drums. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and then you had Billy Sheehan on bass. And uh, this was just an incredible band. Mm -hmm. But they didn't really, they weren't really a metal band per se. Right. So uh, even though I have Eat em and Smile, I have the album on mm -hmm. vinyl. And it's good stuff. But uh, I, for me, that didn't really... Sh showcase what Steve Vai could really do. Sure. Uh, and then he up and joined Whitesnake mm -hmm. uh, for an album and a tour, which I saw, and just knocked my socks completely off. Uh, just blew me away. And then that's when I realized, we're on to something here. Right. And this guy's right. got skill. Yeah. He is incredible. He's a machine. Uh, and the best way I know to explain Steve Vai is, and I've used this analogy uh, more than once, is you know your hand. Your hand can feel you. You can feel your hand. It's a part of your body. It's, an, it's a limb. It's all interconnected with nerves and muscle and tissue and bone and blood flow. Mm -hmm. To me, the guitar to Steve Vai is another limb. Mm -hmm. It's as if the guitar can feel him back. Yeah. You know, it's like this... Uh, it's this this flow, this circular flow of feel, because every time I've ever seen him play, it just it, he makes it look so easy, mm -hmm. you know. It just it's incredible. And I, a, a funny thing, I saw them on a, a tour, a G three tour with Joe Satriani and Ingve Malmsteen. They were at the Ryman Auditorium in Nashville, and I was there with a couple of friends, and uh, I had this younger friend with me that I worked with that wanted to go, so we bought tickets and went. Mm -hmm. And we were watching Steve Vai play, and uh, he looked over me and started laughing. And I was like, what are you laughing at? He goes, dude, you've got a smile that you can't slap off. <laughs> and I said, because that's the way this guy makes me feel. Yeah. He gives me joy uh, through his playing, yeah. and I marvel at the things that he can do with this instrument. It is like nothing I've ever seen, and he makes it look easy. Yeah. And he practices for hours a day. Uh, it is, it is his bread and butter. It's, it's everything. He, he probably sleeps with this guitar, <laughs> but he is probably. just one of the most incredible guitar players I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, he is very, very good. He just, um, and he really, really started to shine when he went solo. Um, when I, you know, seen him on the G3 tours, I've seen him, I was very up close and personal um, at a show at, at a club in Louisville, Kentucky, mm -hmm. uh, that I went to with a couple of friends of mine. And, uh, if I'd have been any closer to the stage, I'd have been on it. Wow. I was pressed right up against it. Steve was right there. You know, uh, he even took his guitar off and put it down to the audience. And I played his guitar from the audience. Wow. You know, just, uh, hit his whammy bar or right. whatever. And that's what he wanted us to do. He wanted us to interact, yeah. you know, so I've played Steve Vai's guitar, sort of. Nice, nice. <laughs> but um, that was a really good night, and I was right there underneath the guy, and I could see what he was doing up close and personal, mm -hmm. uh, and it was just incredible. That's uh, that I, I I do love this guy, and and uh, uh, you know, he just does things with a guitar nobody else. I've never seen anybody else do before. Yeah. Uh, he took. And all these guitar players that I have on my list are somewhat of an innovator. Yeah. Uh, they took guitar playing to a new level mm -hmm. in some shape, form, or fashion. Right. Um, 
Every one of them are like that. And I think Steve belongs in that category. Definitely. Because I, I've never seen anything like him, That's you know, from, from anybody I've ever seen. Right. He brought something new to the table. He wowed, you know, his audiences. And yeah, when he played with Whitesnake, mm-hmm. and uh, I remember David Coverdale coming out and introducing him to do his solo. Oh, yeah. And the crowd just erupted. Wow. That's the loudest they had gotten all night. Wow. When Steve Vai came out to do his thing. Right. Uh, you know, even David Cover- Coverdale acknowledged, yeah, he's good, isn't he? You know, <laughs> I think he threw an extra word or two in there that I won't repeat here. But um, he uh, he acknowledged, you know, yeah, <laughs> yep, this guy's good. Yeah. And guess what? I've got him. He's in my band. How long was he with Whitesnake? It was a, it was an album and tour. Um, he was on the Slip of the Tongue album, um, uh, along with Adrian Vandenberg. Okay. Um, and that was an all-star lineup on yeah, that album. Yeah. Uh, Tommy Aldridge on drums, Rudy Sarazzo on bass. That oh. was just a fantastic lineup for that band. And he did that album and tour, the following tour, which was 88, 89, okay. yeah. uh, somewhere along there. And I was fortunate enough to see it live nice. in Nashville. And, um, you know, that was – I really – I kind of hated to see him leave Whitesnake because I thought, man, this is a great lineup. But when he – Left Whitesnake and did Passion and Warfare. Mm-hmm. His first real, you know, his first solo album was Flexible, years before. Mm-hmm. But Passion and Warfare was next level stuff. And when I bought that album, I understood. I, this is why he left Whitesnake. Gotcha. Because you can't do this in Whitesnake or any right. other band like that. Right. Steve's got to be Steve. Yeah. He's got to do his thing, and I understood. Uh, yeah. This is why he left, and it's magnificent. Sure. It's sort of like, uh, yeah, you take that talent and you put it in the framework of a particular group uh, that has a particular sound, and it really doesn't give – sometimes it doesn't give those guys the really the, 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 the running room that they need to really be able to, to show people what they can do and really make it shine, you know, so that's right. really cool. Well, do you have a clip uh, that you want to play of it? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. This was like a this was very difficult for me to pick one, you know, but I think one that will really uh, get the juices flowing and and show his genius is the audience is listening. Okay, all right, let's take a listen. We'll meet you on the flip side. Now, Stevie, now don't be nervous, honey. Okay, I'm gonna go in and I'm gonna introduce you, and then you're gonna come in with your guitar. And you're going to play that nice, nice music you were telling me about. And while you're doing that, I'll be sitting in the back of the room. We'll have such a good time. So don't you be nervous, honey. It'll relax everybody and we'll be so happy. I'm going to go now. I'll introduce you, okay? Hands up! Now you kids, you, all of you, calm down. That's good. Okay? Everyone in your own seats. That's good. Okay. Now, little Stevie Vai is going to play a composition on the guitar. He wrote it all by himself. Okay, Stevie, bring your three friends up. They can play with you. That's Steve Vai. What a nice little boy. I wrote this song for all my friends. When I grow up, I'm going to be a famous rock and roll guitar player. Love it. <laughs> Go ahead. This is my rainbow. What 
That was Steve Vai doing his thing. That's off of the uh, Passions or Passion and Warfare album, right? Yep. The audience is listening. I hope so. <laughs> and we definitely were. That was cool. I'd never heard that before. Yeah, this whole album is just a, a fantastic. It's very conceptual in nature. I mean, it's very, and I see what you mean by innovative, very different. Um, especially right there at the beginning, you hear him using the guitar. And the way he's using it, it very much is sounds like a child responding. Right. To, to he, he he truly can make the guitar speak. Yeah, that's pretty cool. You know, you've heard that line over and over again. Man, that guy really makes that guitar talk, don't yeah. he? Well, Steve Vai does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he does it at the beginning of Yankee Rose as well with David Lee Roth. That's uh, amazing. Um, and that's that's the brilliance of this guy. And he's. He uh, he did a lot of work early on in his career with Frank Zappa, mm-hmm. which explains a lot of the strangeness <laughs> yeah. to his style <laughs> and and what have you. Uh, you can there's Frank Zappa cues all over the place. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, you can tell he's very influenced by Frank Zappa, sure. who was a musical uh, genius as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I never really got. Uh, I was never a big Frank Zappa fan. Yeah, but I appreciate you know his body of work as well. Sure, absolutely. That that was really really cool. I really enjoyed that. Um, and. Uh, uh, so we've saved, I think, the best for last. Now, he's my number two, but he's your number one. And we've already talked about my number one, which is Eddie. Right. And so he's already off the table. So we've saved the best for last. My number two, your number one. Tell us who it is. Well, none other than Mr. Randy Rhodes. I know this guy is, there's a reason he's in your number one slot. Um and I was introduced to him very late. I mean, like, this is, I knew who Randy Rhodes was, but in terms of really being introduced to his music, it wasn't until I was, I was definitely in my probably mid to late 20s. Right. Um, and didn't really gain an appreciation for him until that point. I mean, it's hard not to know who he is if you don't, you know, I mean, if you ever heard Crazy Train, you know who he is. Right. You know, at least you know his, his, his uh, uh, his style, his playing, and that sort of thing. But uh, but talk a little bit about why he is in your number one slot. What is it about this guy that that just really just makes it happen for you? Well, if we want to go back to the beginning, for me, um, Randy Rhodes died in March of 1982, a fatal plane crash in Orlando, Florida. His last show was in Knoxville, Tennessee. And um, I had heard about this through Hit Parader magazine, and at the time, I 
didn't really know Randy Rhodes very well. I wasn't really that familiar with Ozzy's music. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I had asked a friend of mine, and it, back then, you know, money wasn't, I didn't uh, have a lot of money. Uh, I bought records with my lawn mowing money. Mm-hmm. So I had to be very particular and uh, about the records that I bought because I wanted to make sure I didn't waste my money. I wanted to make sure that I was going to like what I bought right. and, and get my money's worth. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I've always been that, still that way. Sure, yeah. <laughs> but, um, I had asked a friend, I said, what about Ozzy Osbourne? Do you think I'd like his music? He goes, well, if you like, you know, hard rock and heavy metal, yeah, I'm sure you'll like it. So I thought, okay, I may give this a shot. And the album um, that I bought was Diary of a Madman. And I will never forget it. I will never forget the first time I put the needle to the grooves on track one, side one, which is over the mountain. I was changed for life. Mm -hmm. Uh, even at a young age, I could appreciate this music, and I found, I found my groove, so to speak. I mean, uh, this was a, another one of those aha moments. You know, the jaw dropper. The you know, you, when you go, this is it. This is, this is my kind of music. This is what I love. I mean, you know, it, it all started with Kiss for me, but as I continued to grow as a fan of music and uh, embrace other bands and styles and so forth and so on um i had already been uh introduced to ace freely i'd already been introduced to angus young mm-hmm. eddie van halen all these guys were you know on my radar as guitar heroes but i hadn't really didn't really know much about randy Rhodes at the time until i played this album right and he he very quickly became one of my favorites and this was just shortly after he had died mm-hmm. So there was this article in Hit Parader magazine uh, that Ozzy actually wrote. Ozzy actually wrote this article. These were Ozzy's words. And I read this article, and the tears ran down my face. I could not help but tear up, you know, because uh, Randy meant a lot to Ozzy. Um, And when Randy died, uh, Ozzy has said this before, uh, when Randy died, a part of him died with him. And it was uh, Randy had a very profound effect on anybody I think that was ever around him. Okay. He was one of those people uh, that was um, had a certain energy mm-hmm. and uh, a certain um, attraction about him that people just flocked to. Yeah. And uh, he was an incredibly uh, humble and shy guy. He was not um, he was not trying to be a rock star. The music was what it was important to yeah. him. Yeah. Uh, he was a musician first. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though when you, you know, you see any, any old live clips or anything or the, the photographs of him, uh, he had the moves, he had the look, he had the skill, he had everything that a rock star should have, but he wasn't trying to be a rock star. Right. And if it makes any sense to you, that's what makes him a rock star to me. Right. Absolutely. You know, he wasn't trying to be, but he just was. He was not. He was not aiming for fame and fortune. He was aiming to put the best of what he could do out into the world. And and uh, I've read I've read so many interviews about Randy because I'm such a fan of his. Um, I'm Facebook friends on all the mm-hmm. Randy Rhodes yeah. Facebook pages and so forth and so on. And uh, his um, his presence, yeah. his what he brought to music just attracts 
people. Yeah. You know, and it attracted, it got me. Yeah. Um, whenever I listen to his work, his playing, I can almost feel it. It's, it's a weird feeling. I can almost feel what he's playing. Sure. And that sounds a little strange, but it's, it, it affects me in that way. Sure. And, uh, I, there are some solos that, to this day, make the hair stand up on my arm, and we're about to play one of them for you. Cool. And um, it it helps a little bit to understand how to play a guitar, mm-hmm. you know, to know the techniques that these guitar players are using right. to, to get a certain sound. And so I know a little bit about it. I, I know en- enough about it, uh, even though I, I don't have the ability to pull it off like they do. Mm-hmm. Believe me, I've tried to play some of Randy Rhodes' stuff, uh, and it's incredibly difficult, and that's when I just put the guitar down <laughs> and go, okay, that's enough. Um, well, that is one thing, and I have heard that a lot uh, over the years, people that have such a, a high admiration for him. And, I mean, you know, obviously, like I've said, I, 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 <clears throat> I can't play the guitar, but the um, th- there's there's sort of this there's this he's got this element that it's it's one of those things where okay maybe technically i can play what he's playing um but it still doesn't sound like randy right you've got to have the emotion yep. and the feel uh and uh i've like i've said i've read a lot of interviews about you know the things that he did in the studio uh he doubled and triple uh layered his tracks mm-hmm. you know a lot of his lead guitar tracks and stuff like that to really sound like one guitar because it's all the same note mm-hmm. but the sound sounds very full mm-hmm. and uh, he had certain uh, tricks and things to uh, get a certain sound out of his instrument and his amplification right. and his effects and it's it's a sound that um that I can't explain. Right. Um, Steve Vai, who we just talked about, uh, is quoted. Uh, the first time he ever heard Crazy Train, he said it scared him. Wow. It was a very heavy, uh, dirty guitar sound, mm-hmm. a distortion like I'd never heard before either. Mm-hmm. Randy had a certain way, and he was very smart. He knew his instrument, he knew his equipment, and he knew how to get... Yeah, he did. And he was always he was always uh, trying to achieve what he quoted as the perfect tone. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that he ever achieved it by his own standards because mm. he was always chasing the tone. Right. Uh, and he had to have everything just a certain way to get the sound that he wanted out of his equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of my favorite uh, stories is, you know, some of his studio stories where he's composing music. Um the title track off of Dire of a Madman. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my favorite stories is, you know, all the other guys in the band or crew or whatever were out at the local pub, you know, knocking back a few drinks or whatever. Mm-hmm. And Randy would just be slaving away in the studio, uh, trying to perfect that sound and get what he wanted. And we was recording the tracks for Dire of a Madman. And he was trying to achieve that perfect sound and tone and, and get what he wanted out of this uh, song. Right. Uh, they all came back, and Randy was still going at it. And he came out of the studio with a big grin on his face, and he said, I think I've got something. And it's the song Diary of a Madman, to me, is a musical masterpiece. Yeah. It's it's a Beethoven's Fifth. It's sure. it's it's a Stairway to Heaven. It's whatever you want it to be, right. whatever you 
consider to be a musical masterpiece, that's what it is to me yeah. personally. Yeah. And it's all Randy. Sure. To me, uh, you know, Ozzy uh, has a very distinctive voice. Everybody yes. knows who Ozzy is, and everybody knows when they hear him. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, you know, he's not the greatest vocalist in the world, but he's you know made a living at it yeah. and had a great career. And he is he is what you would call a rock star. Yeah. But it's not Ozzy's voice. It's not the bass. It's not the drums. It's it's the guitar work on this album right. that makes it special. Yeah. And uh, I've got a ton of Randy stories, and uh, I'm sure that. Uh, in the future, on a future podcast, we will spotlight Randy Rhodes, uh, as we will some of these other guitar players too, Definitely. and have an entire show dedicated to these guys. But um, that's just a, a little glimpse into the uh, Randy in Randy Rhodes, and of course, you know he was taken from us in a tragic plane crash, and uh, I don't know that I've ever been sadder over the death of a rock star in my life. Sure. Um, Elvis Presley didn't affect me the way Randy did. Right. You know. Well, something really was lost. I mean, Diary of a Madman is the second and last album. Right. He only he only, only recorded two, two albums with Ozzy. He recorded two albums with his uh, former band, Quiet Riot, mm-hmm. uh, before Quiet Riot got big. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were only released in Japan. And Randy said, has said in interviews that he was not happy with those two albums. He didn't like the, the recordings. He didn't like the production. Uh, he was a little embarrassed, actually. Mm. Just was not happy. He didn't think that, that those two albums were indicative of what that band could do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, Quiet Riot later got signed after Randy passed. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, there's a whole lot of history that we'll talk about on a future c- podcast sure. uh, uh, regarding all of this. And uh, But he left an incredible mark on music in a very short amount of time and a very short, uh, a small, small, I should say, body of work. Mm-hmm. But what a body of work. Yeah, absolutely. Still a guy that today you interview, you know, some of the top guitarists that are around today and guarantee they're going to say Randy Rhodes is, is one of my all-time influences. I have a perfect example for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, many of you that might be listening may remember Dimebag Daryl that was taken from yes. us tragically about 13 years ago or so, about this time of year. Um, he was another incredible guitar player that I admire, definitely in my honorable mention list, mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, but Dimebag Daryl's three biggest influences were Randy Rhodes, Eddie Van Halen, and Ace Frehley. Wow. Funny how all three of those made my list. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we think alike. Wait, are you Dimebag Daryl? Uh, no. <laughs> I wish I was that good. Uh, but Dimebag is buried in a kiss casket. Is he really? With Eddie Van Halen's guitar from Van Halen 2. Oh, wow. Yes. Eddie Van Halen donated that guitar and uh, Dime was buried with it. That's amazing. Uh, the, uh, Vinnie Paul, his brother, was asked, you know, what right. would what would Dime have said if if he would have known he was going to be buried with Eddie's guitar in a kiss casket? He's take me now. <laughs> 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 yeah. uh, Let's not wait. Right. Yeah. But uh, that's uh, that's the effect that these guitar players have had on yeah. you know other great guitar players for sure. You know, Dimebag is a legend in his own right. Yeah, he is. Uh, one of the one of the all time greats and and uh. I love Dime as well, but those were his influences, yeah. and I can't think of any better. Those were just, no. you know, that's what, and Dime was a year older than me. Oh, wow. So we're about the same age, so yeah. we, uh, here again, had this uh, the in, uh, same influences, mm-hmm. and uh, I, 
a quick dime bag story before we move on. But uh, Dime uh, won a guitar contest. Dean Guitars was holding a, a, a best guitarist contest, I guess, and I guess he auditioned in Texas. And what did he play to win it? Eruption. <laughs> he played Eruption, note for note, spot on, perfect, and wow. won the contest and won a Dean guitar. And uh, that started the... Uh, um, the uh, you know the connection with Dimebag and Dean guitars. That's pretty cool. So that's amazing. Well, do you uh, you've got a clip? I do of, of of Randy just you know this showcasing what this guy can do. There uh, to to pick here again. It's it's another one of those things where to pick one song or one solo by Randy Rhodes is like choosing a favorite child. Right. It's hard to do. You you really can't. Yeah. But there is one particular song and solo that has moved me. Uh, from the very beginning, even when I was young, when I was a kid, and really hadn't wasn't even in touch with my musical feelings just yet, it right. still resonated with me somehow. And to even today, this particular passage in this song, it's an outgoing solo, is what it is. The song is "Tonight." It's off of Diary of a Madman, and uh, I've seen this on an interview. Uh, it's uh, Ozzy Osbourne's video called "30 Years After the Blizzard." They go back into the studio and they break open these original master tapes and they go back and listen to some of this stuff. And when they're playing the solo, the outgoing solo to tonight, it fades. It fades off. And the guy that's behind the board says exactly what I do every time I listen to this song in the car. As the solo fades, I crank the volume up on my stereo. And I crank it all the way till it doesn't have any more to crank to hear every single note I can get out of this. Mm-hmm. It's one of those where you're like, man, I wish they hadn't have faded that out. <laughs> they just should, should have just, just kept let it, letting it go. Yeah. Well, they did let it go in the studio. He just, he didn't, you know, Randy didn't quit at that point. He right. kept playing. So there's actually tracks that nobody has heard that has been re-released uh, on um, the um, Blizzard of Oz, I think. If I recall correctly, I can't remember, but there's a a track on there where it's Randy's lost, you know, guitar track or whatever, gotcha. where he just kept going. Oh right, right, right. And, uh, but this solo right here, it it moves me emotionally, and uh, well, let's just give it a listen. Yeah, let's take a listen.
Well, that was Randy doing what he does best. That was tonight off of Diary of a Madman. Uh, again, just if you don't listen to that and if it doesn't move you, you're heartless. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, that's just yeah. all there is to it. I mean, that's just unbelievable. That The the thing that I love, too, and I know because I know Randy had – uh, he was, like you were saying, he wasn't just, you know, this isn't just a guy who was out for, you know, being a rock star. This guy was really, he was highly trained at playing that instrument. And he was continuing to learn and train, yeah. even at the time of his death, because on that tour, he had told Ozzy that he wanted to leave the band and go back to, uh, I believe, UCLA and study classical guitar. Oh, wow. Yeah. He, uh, did he know how to play classical by that point? At that point, he was starting to infuse classical uh, movements and sure. some of that stuff that um, is in classical guitar, but he hadn't mastered it yet. Gotcha. He hadn't gotten to that point. Mm-hmm. And ironically, you know, a year after Randy passed, you had guys like Ingve Malmsteen and Adrian Vandenberg, and uh, the classical, the the neoclassical metal guitar players were coming out of the woodwork right. at that point. Right. Randy started something. Uh, that was his dream. That was his uh, goal was to fuse classical guitar with metal. Mm-hmm. And he had already begun to incorporate some of that into his playing. Right. Um, he just hadn't gotten to the point that he wanted. He was always striving to do more. And uh, legend has it, uh, and I've heard this in a lot of uh interviews and magazine articles and stuff that every town that he went to while he was on tour he would book a guitar lesson with a classical guitar instructor really and uh the funny thing about it is is uh you know first of all you're randy rhodes and you walk into a guitar store (laughs) and book a lesson with some teacher yeah and randy said most of the time the teacher would be like, hey, man, how do you get this sound or do that riff? And and, right. and Randy would end up giving a lesson and paying for it. <laughs> so um, that was, you know, that was, but that was Randy. And um, uh, there's so many great stories. And uh, I think that's one of the reasons uh, I'm so endeared to him, not just as a musician, but as a person. Right. He just seemed like a genuine good guy. Yeah, it does uh, definitely seem that way. Very humble and and, and a, a bit shy in a lot of ways. Uh, didn't think of himself as anything special. Mm-hmm. Uh, just just trying to do his thing and, and do what he does and and uh, accomplish his goals that he had set forth. I think if he were alive today, I mean, we don't really know what he would be doing, but right. I, his goal was to to further himself as a musician. He wasn't into being a rock star. Uh, Ozzy had even gotten mad at him and said, dude, we're just now, we're beginning to break out here. Right. Let's make some money first, and then you can go off and do what you want to. I, I don't have a problem with that if you want to do that. That's right. great. But, hey, we're just getting off the ground here. You know, let's let's do something with this first and make some money. So, um, uh, who knows? Yeah. Who knows what would have happened? Yeah. Uh, we'll never know. But uh, the body, the, what little bit of work that he left us behind uh, I think eclipses any other guitar player that's still alive today. I, that's just my opinion. I, I think and, that and, he, I think that he, well, he is going to be, I think we'll, in fact, I think we'll always be one of those guys, one of those guitarists that 
um, his name is just never going to go away. His body of work, like you said, not very big, is never going to stop being an influence on those that are coming up, those that want to play heavy metal, those that want to play, and even those that just simply want to pick up a guitar and learn how to play it and play it well. Right. Really be a craftsman at what they're doing um, and just you know, put it out into the world. I think we're, and this is the, the big, one of the big problems. And, you know, I, I, to, to, I want to be careful not to digress too much, but this is to me, one of the big problems about modern music, modern so-called rock music, modern so-called pop music, um, seems to me to be a bunch of people that just really want fame and fortune. And it seems manufactured. It's very manufactured. Um, somebody took them into a studio turned the computer on and said, you know what, you just you say a few things into that microphone, we'll fix it in post, and right. then we'll put it out there. Sing to this track, and if you're off-key, that's okay, we'll fix it. We'll we've fix got auto-tune. It. Yeah. It's no big deal. Uh, back when, you know, we've mentioned this before, and I think the Origins episode, that the tricks that they had to use using an analog, you know, system back in that day, you had to do a lot more work. You had to spend a lot yes. more time in the studio uh, at your craft, doing what you do yes. to get what they got, mm-hmm. and now it's just it's just too easy. Yeah, you can get whatever you want, however you want, um, in, in a very little amount of time without any real effort. There was no um, easy way of getting a, a particular tone right. or whatever uh, out of your instrument. Uh, you had to really work at it, study it, mm-hmm. uh, do your homework, so to speak, yeah. and to get to get that kind of sound yeah. and Randy had done that. Well, and that was, and I, you mentioned that, you know, here, here he is layering his own stuff. Right. And that's, I mean, you, you, you gotta, you gotta know your instrument. You've got to be thinking ahead because you've got to know how am I going to do this? How is this what I'm playing right now? How is that going to, to work with what I'm going to play? How is what I'm playing right now going to work with what I already played? And being able to bring those two worlds together and do it basically with a pair of scissors and a, and a piece of tape is essentially, you know, what these guys had, um, you know, just in terms of, you know, editing, so to speak, um, is, is a real testament to the love that they had and the passion that they had for what they were doing. I think uh, to kind of uh, sum this up, I think Zach Wilde, said something perfect. And when he said this in an interview, I thought, that's it. Mm-hmm. He said that Randy Rhodes' guitar solos were a composition within a composition. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. And I thought, when I heard that, I thought, that's it. Mm-hmm. You're exactly right. You hit the nail on the head. And that's another, you know, Zach Wilde was a big fan of Randy Rhodes. Mm-hmm. And uh, then he got the opportunity to play Randy's music with Ozzy. Amazing. So, uh, you know, what a... What an amazing uh, opportunity for yeah. him you know, a, to get to do that. And a wonderful, honestly, a wonderful tribute. Just, in, you know, uh, in, a, in a, a short sentence, but what a wonderful tribute to a guy who's got a legacy that's just going to last and last. And, and last. He, he left us young, so we'll always remember him as this skinny, blonde-headed, <laughs> short guy with a big black polka-dotted flying V yeah. <laughs> uh, thrashing around on stage with Ozzy. And making some of the most incredible music this guy has ever heard. For sure. Well, um, well, that actually brings us to the end of the episode. We hope that you've enjoyed what essentially is really our top eight, uh, <laughs> but uh, but 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 our top five. And I, and I know uh, again, it's 
it, it's been a little bit different. I'm sure there's people screaming at their, you know, their radios or their iPods or their iPhones or whatever going, where's Hendrix, you know, right, or whatever. Yeah. But understand that these are five guys for each of us that aren't just the greatest of all time or the, you know, the, the top influencers, you know, in terms of guitarists. But these are guys that really impacted us, brought us into this world and solidified our love for hard rock and heavy metal. Um, and, and I, I really do want to revisit this in about a year and see if the needle has moved any. I, I don't think mine's going to move much. Mine will probably move more just because of, you know, the fact that I'm, I, in a lot of ways, I'm, I'm still an amateur. Well, Randy Rhodes has been my favorite for a very long time, and guitar players have come and gone. There's some, there's some incredible yes. ones that are, are a little bit newer to the, uh, newer to the game. Uh, we talked a little bit a few minutes ago about John Five. Yes, An incredible musician, great guitar player. Randy's still my favorite. Yeah, sorry. Oh, yeah, I mean, sorry, John. Yeah. Sorry, great, great, great uh, guitarist. Love you, mean it. Yeah. But Randy's my guy, yeah, and absolutely. he always will be till the day I die. Sure. I just don't think there's. I've never had another musician, even though I'm a drummer. I've never had another musician move me the way Randy does. Do you think that that is, and, 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 and not to sort of prolong this, I suppose, but do you think that that has something to do with the fact that he did have such a small body of work? Is it because there's such a narrow window of what we have available from him that there's a, there's a, uh, and I'm not, I'm not saying that that's the, 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 um, uh, the large largest influence. What I'm saying is that because there's, there's this sort of narrow window of what he got to do while he was here, that there's a there's an element of that 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 goes wow. I mean that's just I mean it shines like nothing else, you know, because it's there's not very much of it. I mean for sure, and what's there is so perfect in so many ways. I mean this guy didn't make a misstep really. I mean he may not have liked the stuff that he did you know, in the early years of Quiet Riot. But, you know, there's still people that are fans of that stuff, for right. sure, you mm -hmm. know, uh, just because Randy had his fingerprints on it. Uh, so, you know, it, do, you, do you think, do you feel like that that plays into the influence for I you? I suppose it, it possibly could. I mean, I've, I've often thought about that. I thought, well, you know, what if, the, what if the shoe would be on the other foot? What if Randy had lived and Eddie Van Halen would have only had two albums? Right. Would I be you know raving about eddie van halen and would randy rhodes be number four instead of number one right i suppose that's a possibility mm -hmm. but um i've had to think about it and go you know okay eddie van halen van halen one van halen two incredible work incredible albums love them all right ozzy blizzard of oz diary of a madman mm -hmm. those two win every time yeah i'm sorry i love eddie i love those two albums but randy gets it for me and I guess one way you could sum it up is the sky is full of stars. But which one do you remember the most? The one that's up there all the time that you see or that, that shooting star that burns for a short amount of time and right. fades away? Yeah, I'm going to remember the shooting star. Sure. That's Randy. Well, uh, that's a good place, I think, to, to, to end on. And uh, we've got a little something special for you as we, as we depart uh, this particular episode. We wanted to leave you on a, um, a very powerful and moving note. Um, and, uh, talk just a minute about what this is, what they're about to hear as we kind of, as they, as we fade out from this particular episode. Um, on Ozzy's first solo album with Randy, the Blizzard of Oz, 
Randy had come up with a guitar piece called D, and he wrote it for his mother, whose name was Dolores, and mm-hmm. she passed away uh, not too long ago, maybe two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he wanted to compose this piece and record it, and Ozzy was like, sure, you know, go for it. Ozzy gave Randy a lot of freedom in the studio, mm-hmm. you know, from what I understand. And so he recorded this piece called D. It's at the end of the album. It's a little classical guitar piece, just Randy. And uh, after he passed away uh, in 1987, Ozzy released the Ozzy Osbourne Randy Rhodes tribute album. It's a live recording with Randy. And the last track on that album is the studio outtakes of D. And where you will hear Randy, you will hear Randy hit a sour note. (laughs) You'll hear him because he's only human. Uh, you'll hear him speak. And for me, because I'm such a fan of this this guy and, and his body of work, to me it's a little haunting. Mm-hmm. I get a little cold chill every time I hear this. Because you do hear him speak. It's, 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 it's as yeah. if, it's, it is if uh, the ghost of Randy lives yeah. within this record, this you know, song or whatever. Yeah. So it's uh it's a little uh it's it's was it's very special to me, and the first time I heard it, I actually cried. Uh, the first time I ever heard this, it moved me to tears. Yeah, yeah. Well, I considering the um, it, it, it's uh, he obviously had a tremendous amount of love for his mother, who I know was an influence in his very life. instrumental in his development uh, because she ran a music school yeah. in Burbank, California called Musonia, mm-hmm. uh, where she trained a lot of budding young musicians and of course randy was her son and he was right in there with him boy oh boy and uh learned his craft and came up in the 70s when you know rock and roll uh, he was a big fan of uh uh alice cooper and he was in mott the hoop he loved mott the hoople slade mm-hmm. he had a lot of uh those 70s glam bands uh, were his big influence sure. and uh quiet riot sort of played off of that yeah in the earlier years, sure. uh, before the before mental health, you know, yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, he had a uh, he had a musical life mm-hmm. from the get go. Yeah. He was just like that. He was born to play guitar. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this is a fitting tribute and uh, a, a little bit of uh, a little bit of a, a ghost from the past, so to speak. So. Uh, enjoy this as we uh, as we go out. Uh, but until next time, well, uh, thanks for joining us on this ride. I'm Rich and Keith, and keep rocking on. Okay.
It's a jet. Okay. Once more, fretted that chord wrong. It's not bad. It's getting smoother now. Well, let's. Can I just do two and then hear the both of them? Let's hear that. <laughs> 